The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and go to John 15, please, with me this morning. John 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Of course, we've been studying um, this this series, uh, Trust the Process and uh, Becoming Like Christ. There's a process that the Lord wants to accomplish in us. There's a process that He wants to be able to accomplish to uh, make us more like Him. And uh, in doing so, we have understood that that is His will, His desire to make us more like Him. Uh, we have already studied how th- of the fact that there is a need for it uh, because we are all desperately uh, undone and wicked without Him. Uh, there's a process of sanctification, a, a, re- a renewing process that takes place. Uh, uh, we, we change and, and we realize what is the need for change as we re- are we able to uh, see him and understand and, and comprehend his glory. And this morning, we're going to talk about living the life of Christ. And we read here in verse number one of, ch- uh, of chapter 15 of John, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoke unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing there was a pastor that had the opportunity to be in a, a conference, a, uh, a, a preacher's conference, if you may, that, and preach alongside of uh, Dr. Lee Robertson and, and uh, used to pastor uh, where, uh, well, uh, what it was, the uh, church, I don't remember the name of the church, but Tennessee Temple University uh, was this, the college that was underneath the church there. And anyway, pretty famous preacher and and uh, he asked uh, Dr. Lee Robertson to explain some of the keys of ministry. And uh, Dr. Robertson simply stated this. He said, you must learn to die to self and you must learn to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the key to living the Christian life. Here's a man that had a successful ministry. Here's a man that was widely sought for to preach in different places uh, big ministry, college, all those types of things. And when the pastor asking for advice for ministry and the Christian life, after all that he had experienced, uh, Dr. Robertson has, had experienced, expecting probably, no doubt, a, a list of plethora of things that, uh, to do and decisions to be made and leadership qualities and such, uh, Dr. Robertson's response was simply learn to die to self and yield and, and be filled with the Spirit. This is the key to the Christian life. See, there are many Christians who will say that they are truly seeking to reckon themselves dead uh, to the flesh and alive to Christ, yet they struggle every single day applying scriptural truths to their everyday lives. So how can we live the Christian life? This is the process that the Lord wants to take place. He wants us to accomplish this uh, in our lives. And so how can it take place? How can we live the Christian life. Well, number one this morning, I want you to notice with me, as we've just read in verses 1 through 5 of John 15, that the life of Christ is a relationship for us to enjoy. 
This life that we have in Christ, this, this Christian life, is truly a life that is a relationship that we ought to enjoy. Notice in verse number one, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that, he, that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. See, while we're going to look this morning at some practical ways of living the Christian life, we're going to look at some practical applications of what it means to live the Christian life, we must be clear and we must understand that the Christian life is first and foremost a life uh, that is, is a result of the yielding to the Spirit of God. It is not a life that is an adherence just simply to a list of rules or guidelines. That does not equal the Christian life. Because if li just living by a list of rules or guidelines or regulations equated to anything, then we would find that a lot of people would equal a good citizen because they're able to live by a certain list of rules. But whenever they m mess up on one of those rules or they misstep on one of those rules, then there's consequences, yes, that would take place. And sometimes even to the extent of being seen as not a good citizen any longer. So does our standing as a Christian hinge on, on how we live or how we don't live? Well, absolutely not. And so we must understand that first and foremost, that it is not adhering to a list of rules or guidelines. It is first and foremost a relationship. And so we find here that this life of Christ is a relationship that we have with him, and it's one that we ought to be able to enjoy. It is one that he desires for us to, to bask in. It is one that he desires that we uh, look forward to. Perhaps the passage that best illustrates the relationship uh, that we have in Christ is right here in John 15 that we've just read, that we, where we learn that we are the vine, and, or he is the vine and we are the branches, I'm sorry. Verse number one, he specifically states that I am the true vine. And notice here that when he speaks of this, that he says he is the vine. That is the root. He is the source through which the life comes. As we spoke even last Sunday night uh, about that Canadian thistle and the root system. It's a weed and it's a, it's a thorny weed that, uh, and it takes up a whole lot of nutrients because the root system, it goes so wide and it goes so deep and it's very hard to eradicate. Not because it is just a tough, resilient uh, plant on, uh, on the outside. It's not just a tough, resilient plant above ground. It has deep roots and therefore it's hard to get rid of. Uh, I know some have around here tried to excavate their, their homes or, or their land and such, and maybe have mesquites uh, on there. And those, those can be a booger to get out also as their root systems are deep and they're strong as well. What gives them their strength? The ruggedness of how they look? Absolutely not. What gives them their strength is their root system. That's what Christ is saying here. He is the root. He's the vine, if you, as he states it. And uh, he's the true vine. He is the genuine vine. It is 
It is He and He alone that gives life. We want to experience life. We want to experience life to the fullest. I mean, there's people out there that are, are, they are adrenaline junkies. They're trying to find anything they can to give them that, that shot of adrenaline. That, Ooh, man, I'm living life to the fullest. And so they jump out of airplanes. No, that's a good way to lose your life, not gain it, all right? But they jump out of airplanes with parachutes, and they think that somehow they're enjoying life by doing that. I'm sure they're seeing their life flash before their eyes. I don't know about enjoying it too much. I sure wouldn't. But nevertheless, that's what they're trying to, they're trying to seek that thrill. People will do uh, crazy things on, on motorcycles. We were driving down the highway the other day, and, and uh, a, a, you know, six-lane highway or whatever it was, and right alongside another vehicle and right in between us, somebody on a motorcycle right behind, flying through. And I'm like, people just, they don't get it. I mean, life is short. But they think that they're, they're enjoying life or taking it by the horns. They're living it to the fullest when they do crazy things along those lines. Motocross people will take, you know, the, the extreme motocross will. You see guys on motorcycles, these BMX, uh, or I'm sorry, these uh, dirt bikes going up ramps and doing backflips and different things on them. Living life in their minds. And I'm thinking, you're crazy is what you are. But they're doing that to seek the adventure, to seek the thrill, to seek the enjoyment, to be able to live life to the fullest. My friend, genuine life is found only in Christ, for he is the true vine, the genuine vine. And he goes on, as we read there, verse number four, he talks about how we are the branches. Verse number five speaks about how we are the branches. The branch, I think of maybe like an apple tree, right? My grandfather, whenever I was growing up, he had an apple tree in his front yard, and I used to go over there. I loved his apple tree, not because I like to eat the apples. I like to take the apples and use my baseball bat to hit them across the street and stuff. And he, he made it a rule. He said, you can do that as long as the apples had fallen to the ground. Don't pick them off the tree. Those are good. We're going to eat those. And, but if they're rotten or if they've fallen onto the ground and haven't been picked up, uh, then you're able to do that. But I think of the apple tree. That apple tree has a root system that goes underground. That's where it gets its nutrients and it gets its, its, uh, its livelihood. But those branches of the tree is where you find the fruit. But that fruit is not a result of just because there's branches there. That fruit is a result of the life-giving source of the, of the, uh, of the root system underneath. We find, my friend, that we're, you and I are the branches. There's blessings that we enjoy. We're able to do things for the Lord. We're able to live for Him. We're able to minister to people. We're able to serve Him within the church and with our lives and such. But, my friend, we find here that the things, the blessings, and the enjoyments of life are not a result of who we are. It's a result of who we abide in, the vine, the, the root system. In verse number four, notice what it says, abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. We, can't, we, we cannot experience blessings outside of the Lord. We cannot experience the, the good and the accomplishments outside of the Lord allowance. Galatians chapter two and verse number 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. First John chapter 2, verse number 27 says, But the anointing 
which ye have received of him abideth in you. The key word in this entire passage is that word abide. Or if you might put it this way, remain. We ought to be abiding in that true vine. We ought to be abiding in Christ. That's because it's a, a relationship that is an enjoyable one. It's an enjoyable relationship that we ought to have. We are completely just enthronged in our society with fast-paced mobility, movement, all those types of things. We have a hard time in our day and age of just simply abiding. We have a hard time in our day and age of just remaining. We're constantly on the move. I mean, people jump from job to job. And I understand in today's, where we're at right now in 2020, some people have moved from job to job because of situations or circumstances. The job that they had at the beginning of the year is no longer even in existence and such. But nevertheless, outside of that realm, we all know people that seemingly jump from one place to another, one job to another and to another and another. They can't hold it down for any length of time. And it's, they always say, well, I'm just looking for that be something better. I'm looking for something that is going to be more, uh, more beneficial or more uh, just, it, it gives me more worth or self-existence and such. And truly, they're just looking for something that is going to fill a void that those things can't fill. We jump from not only job to job, some people jump from church to church. Some people just cannot seemingly find a church to settle down and call their church home. Now, my friend, let me state this, that if, a, if, the, if that church is preaching the word of God, that ought to be the number one priority. I've, I, I thankfully, honestly, have not had to go through the experience of church shopping, if you wanted to call it that. My parents were saved when I was three years old. They started attending the church at which the pastor of which that had led them to the Lord. I went to that church from the time that I was three to the time that I was 18 years of age until I went to college. I went to the church that, that college was associated with for four years. Then I left college and went to work at Bible Baptist in Jacksonville. And I was there for nine years and attended the church that I worked for. That's a novel idea, right? But I uh, attended that church for nine years. And now for the last over three and a half years been here. I've not had to move someplace not knowing what church to go to uh, or anything of those matters and try to figure it out. Thank God. I'm glad I haven't been in your shoes sometimes, all right? What I'm saying is when the Lord does move us and being in, a t in the military town in which we are, the Lord does move people, at least Uncle Sam does, and the Lord allows it. Uh, but uh, it, it, and then they move to some place, and they got to find another church. Here's the first and number one priority. What does that church do with Jesus and his word? There's other preferential things, and if a church preaches the word, and, it can, and you can find one that kind of fits into your preferences as far as maybe music or, 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 or structure. Listen, every church is different. Am I not right? Every church has different, different things about it. Some churches, uh, the structure of it, the way that they, the, or the service is structured and all that is totally different than the way we do it. But when we find a place that preaches the word of God, and as, then if it fits some of our preferences on top of that, wow, what a win-win. But some people, they don't go to church looking for what they preach about the word of God or do with Jesus. They lo go looking with how it makes them feel. 
And when they go looking with for how it makes them feel, they'll never find one that makes them feel good every single time. Because our emotions go up and down. And our emotions will not stay the same. And for a few weeks, everybody seems to be kind and loving. And the pastor, man, he preaches some pretty good messages. Uh, I mean, I, he hasn't really nailed down anything or said, thus saith the Lord, but he's made me feel good. Then all of a sudden, somebody says something or doesn't do something or whatever the case might be. Well, I'm not going back to that church anymore. And it's not based off of what they're doing with the Word of God. It's based off of her emotions. Why? Because people are seeking to fill a void, and they're seeking in all the wrong places. We jump from job to job. We jump from church to church. We, some people jump, jump from spouse to, fa- spouse to spouse. Divorce rates are out of, out of control in our world today. Some people will jump from state to state. I understand, again, we're a transitional area. I'm not getting on to anyone here or anything along those lines, but let me just remind you this, that eventually the problems that are here are going to be in that state that you move to as well. The problems from the, for those that move from California, they're showing up here because everybody from California is moving here, right? You know I'm joking about those things. But I literally have seen people that said, if our state doesn't go a certain way, I'm moving. Well, I have news for you. That state's going to change one day also. Because the only thing that remains the same is God. That's why we're to abide in Him. But we're in a, we live in a world that is not, does not easily abide in anything. Sometimes in the midst of the transition, our relationship with God is lost also. Sometimes we have to transition. Sometimes we have to move jobs. Sometimes we have to move states. Sometimes we have to go from, we have to maybe move a church because of uh, circumstances or we're not in that area any longer, whatever the case might be. But in the midst of those times, sometimes we are able to, we, we find ourselves losing that abiding relationship with God also as we're transitioning in every other aspect of life. Yet we must remi- be reminded that God commands us, he calls us to abide in him. Let me give you just a few quick tips, if you may, about how you could abide in the Lord and abide in this relationship that is one to enjoy. First and foremost, you can abide in this relationship when you abide in his word. When you you study it, when you read his word, when you're in communion with him. And another aspect of that would be through prayer as well. We ought to be people of the book, and we ought to be people that are given to prayer. When we, we ought to... Well, I mean, Scripture says in Philippians, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, make your requests made known unto God. We, ought to be, we abide with Him through, our, uh, through the Word. We abide with Him through prayer. Can I say also that when we experience trials is another aspect in which the Lord will use to help us to abide in Him. When we experience the issues and the troubles and the trials of life is an opportunity for us to snuggle up closer to our Heavenly Father and to experience His love in a, at a level that we've never experienced it before. See, abiding, the life of Christ is a relationship to enjoy. But number two this morning, notice that the life of Christ involves obedience from the heart. The life, living a life for Christ involves obedience from the heart. See, while the Christian life is first and foremost primarily a relationship, it is clear to every single one of us, I'm sure, it is clear to us that every relationship will produce its own rules. 
Every relationship generates laws consistent to the one that we are relating to. Can I put it to you this way? If you're married, your relationship with your spouse holds a certain set of regulations or rules or guidelines to it. It's first and foremost a relationship. But then you, you live in the boundaries of that relationship because of the relationship you're in, right? So a husband and a wife, they live within the boundaries of their marriage, in the, meaning that they're exclusive to each other. The rules or the regulations or the guidelines is you don't get to have another one. That's the regulation. That's the set of rules. Now, do, by me staying ex exclusive, does that make me married? That doesn't make me married. But out of that re marriage relationship produces that guidance or that guideline of me staying exclusive to my spouse. Does that make sense? Like I could say that if I weren't married, I could say, well, I'm going to just stay exclusive for so-and-so. Even if they don't love me, if, even if they detested me, even if it's like Steve Urkel and Laura, right? Uh, like Steve Urkel said, yeah, I'm going to marry you, Laura. Uh, family matters. That, you, everybody with me there? I guess I've lost some of you anyway. But he, he, he said, I'm going to marry you, Laura. And she said, I hate you, Steve. Get away from me and all that. But he was, he was keeping himself exclusive only to her. I could have that, and that rule does not make me married. But out of my relationship with my spouse produces this guideline, not because I have to, but because I want to. Does that make sense? How about a parent? All right. Obedience to parents does not make one a child. We talked about this this morning. If you weren't here earlier, uh, we'll talk about it in the next service about our authorities. But listen, if you have a, 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 a secular job, you have a boss, okay? You can obey your boss, but that doesn't make your, that boss your dad or mom. doesn't make you their child. You're obeying because of that, 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 that employer-employee relationship. So obedience is not what makes a person, a father or a mother, or a child to that father or mother. But a child, out of honor and love and respect for who their parents are, in obedience to God, of course, will obey their parents. Does that make sense where I'm going with this? So what I'm saying is, yes, the Christian life, the life of Christ, is a relationship that we are to enjoy. And out of that relationship, it will involve our obedience to him, but it starts with the heart. Not because I have a list that says I have to do this or I can't do this, but because I love my Lord, there's some things I'm willing to regulate myself to. There's some boundaries I'm willing to submit myself into so that I'm keeping that fellowship with the one I have the relationship with what it ought to be. You, uh, going back to that illustration of the husband and wife, I'm, 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 I'm taking a little bit too long on this, but I'm, I'm trying to really make sure that we drive this in and understand it. Going back to this relationship with the husband and wife, a husband can be unfaithful to his wife with another woman, and they can remain married. That, that, that the, his, him and his spouse can remain married. But is that relationship 
the fellowship that they enjoy as husband and wife going to be what it ought to be? It is not. But they can remain married. My friend, we, when we accept Christ as our Savior, He becomes our Heavenly Father. Nothing changes that. And we can live contrary or outside the boundaries that He desires for us to live and still have a relationship with Him, but our fellowship, as 1 John says, is going to be hindered. But because I have a relationship with Him, out of love and out of my heart for Him, I willingly allow myself to be put inside the boundaries in which His Word put forth for us so that our fel my fellowship with Him would be what it ought to be. Are we, I hope you understand where I'm coming from there. The reason for that, well, for instance, Luke 6, Jesus said this, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So we find that the Lord has some expectations for us, not to make a relationship, but to solidify a fellowship within that relationship. So we find that the Lord, in verse number 10 of, of John 15, that we are commanded to obey him. Look at what verse number 10 says. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We read in James 1, 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. John 14, verse number 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me and will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We find that we're commanded to obey the Lord. But understand this, that we cannot obey the Lord on our own. So therefore we are empowered to obey as well. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us. You, we read at the beginning of Acts, I believe it's Acts 1 in, chapter, in verse number 4, that he tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. He had just told them, as we read in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe whatsoever I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen, he said. He told them to go, preach, baptize, teach. Then he says, before you do that, wait. <laughs> what do you mean, wait? You just told us to go. But the reason for waiting was they needed the empowering to accomplish his work. That's why he said in four verses later, in verse number eight, but you shall be witnesses unto me. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And, and, and he tells, us, tells them that you shall be witnesses in both Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. And we find that the purpose of their waiting was to receive the empowerment to live for him. Empowerment seems to be kind of a buzzword in our day and age today. We're empowered by this. Our leadership empowers us. Our, our, uh, the things that we have in our possession empowers us. Women are empowered uh, to be strong. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm not belittling that. Don't, don't take me wrong. There. I'm just saying these are things that are being pushed and promoted out there. Empowerment is something that is really sought for and pushed for in our world today. But in the Christian life, all true authority is under authority. And all true empowerment comes from God himself. And we find that we are commanded to obey, yes, but the reason we're commanded to obey is because he's already given us the power to be able to obey him. And that is through our yielding to the Spirit. 
Ephesians 5.18 indicates that we are to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a few things about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals truth through God's Word. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, uh, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. See, if we're going to know the mind of Christ, we must avail ourselves to the Spirit's teaching through the Word of God. We read it daily. We listen to it preached. We ask the Holy Spirit to, to guide us, to, to empower us, to, to reveal to us how we might live. To live without the Spirit or without yielding to the Spirit would be truly living as if we had no guidance or if we were brain dead. Football season has finally arrived. Some are excited about it. Some could care less. Some that care less is like this, uh, the lady Irma Brock who often said, if a man watches three consecutive football games, he should be declared brain dead. She's, her saying that is just a, it, 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 we could go along and, tr and, tr and transform that saying into saying, if a person lived without the yielding to the Spirit, they might as well be spiritually brain dead. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And we, we are, we this relationship, the, 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 the Christian life, is a, a life that is lived in obedience from the heart. Why? Because we're commanded to and we're empowered to by the Holy Spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit that he reveals truth through the word of God. The Holy Spirit leads us also away from sin. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 18. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, fl the, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And we thank God this morning for the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. As we obey and yield from our heart, we will experience victory in the Christian life. Number one, the, the, the life of Christ is a relationship to be enjoyed. It is a relationship, number two, uh, of obedience from the heart. But the life of Christ, number three, requires endurance by His grace. Notice the, word, the words, wording again, abide in me and I in you. Verse number five, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. My friend, we can endure because of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of our God. We can endure the things that we experience in our life through the Holy Spirit's power and by his grace. See, I would, have to, I would say this this morning, that God is capable of, willing and desiring even to give us grace in every situation grace for the pace if you may he gives us grace to face our times of enjoyment 
And he gives us grace to face the times of trouble as well. You ever experienced a time where you just seemingly needed an extra pouring out of God's grace? Maybe somebody did wronged you. Maybe a circumstance or a situation was, was rather difficult. We needed a little more grace on there in that time than maybe we felt like we needed in others. Reminds me of the lady who had just gotten a new fall sweater. It's starting to get cooler around here and such, and so maybe you're breaking out your sweaters as well. So keep this in mind uh, as we, uh, as we uh, decide what we're going to put on. Uh, but nevertheless, this lady had just received a new fall sweater, sweater, and her son looked at her and said, Mom, that's a nice sweater. You look like the Wheel of Fortune. Mom said, oh, thank you, sweetheart, but I think you mean I look like Vanna White. He paused for a moment. He said, no, Mom, uh, I, I mean you look like the wheel. And uh, she needed a little more grace at that time to deal with her son with how he kind of spoke to her and uh, the things that he said. But nevertheless, we have the promise of God that he will give us grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. We are able to come to the Lord and ask him to help us in those situations. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse number 8, and, the God, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God has grace for every situation. God gives grace to the humble also. Do we truly need grace? Absolutely we do. If we want to experience his grace, it will come to us as we humble ourselves in humble submission to him. You know that he, exp he, he poured out his, his saving grace upon you when you humbled yourself to the point of asking for his salvation. See, in pride, before coming to him, you didn't want to experience his saving grace. You had to humble yourself in recognition of your need of him. Well, grace for the daily life only comes when we humble ourselves in recognition of our daily and moment-by-moment -moment need of him as well. First Peter, First Peter chapter 5, verse number 5. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. It's interesting, I believe, that sometimes the Lord will allow circumstances into our lives just to prepare us for his grace or to really show us our need for his grace. Sometimes... Being a pastor is the most enjoyable and rewarding thing in the world. Other times, well, let me just put, give you this story to give you a glimpse into how it's like. A little boy came to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And every Sunday, he just insisted on giving the offering directly to the pastor as they left and were shaking hands. Every week, the pastor said, young man, you don't have to give this to me. Give it to the usher as they pass by with the offering plates. And the young man said, okay, yes, sir. Next Sunday, he came and gave the offering directly to the pastor. Week after week after week, and finally the pastor said, son, you've you got to listen to me. I'm not taking this any longer. You've got to give the offering to the ushers as they pass by with the offering plates. And the little boy looked up at the, at the pastor and said, uh, but I really want to just give it to you. Pastor said, that's not how this works. Give it to the ushers. The son said, no, the little boy said, no, I want to give it to you. Pastor said, why is it so important that you give me the offering directly? The little boy looked up at the pastor and said, well, my dad says that you're the poorest preacher he's ever heard, so I figured you might need a little help. <laughs> Talk about a humbling experience. 
Now, I'll neither confirm or deny whether or not that happened to me, but nevertheless, <laughs> what a humbling experience. But truly, sometimes the Lord will allow circumstances into our life that will show us our great need to humble ourselves before Him so that we might bask in His grace. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite, uh, contrite heart. O oh God, that will not despise. Let me put it to you this way. Biblical obedience is not just compliance to some abstract law or rule. It is the submissive response to the person of the Holy Spirit who has revealed the will of God to us through his word. God gives grace to the humble. We can endure because of his spirit and by his grace. We also can endure because of the example that Christ has set for us. We find in John 15 and verse number 10, read it again with me. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abided in his love. He said, You're, you keep, the Lord, keep my commandments even as I have. God, Jesus Christ himself kept his father's commandments. He is our ultimate example in endurance. Jesus set his face like a flint to Jerusalem. And he knew that the cross was coming before him, but he stayed faithful to the end. Christ's likeness is not following some type of ethical ideals. It is the manifestation of God's spirit in the life of the believer. If we will be Christ-like servants then we must be sensitive to his spirit's guidance. Matthew 12, 18, as I close, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show, show judgment to the Gentiles. See, the, Christ, the life of Christ is a relationship to be enjoyed. It is obedience from the heart, and it is endurance by his grace. Our Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the message and the lesson from your word. I would ask now, God, that you would just help us to, to yield to your spirit, that these things might be evident and true in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You're dismissed.